0: Okay, so you have a new book out tell everyone about it
1: yes uh the new book is called let the wild grasses grow it's inspired by my grandma and grandpa cordova dela chavez and and john cordova and it's kind of a look at what would happen to them if i if these two favorite people in my life lived well they did live during the 1920s but what what could i envision happen to them throughout that time you can pick it up at toryhousepress.org or anywhere else that you buy your books preferably independent bookstores thanks (laughs) This is Case Johnson. This is Literally Podcast. We're podcasting from Banyan One in the Monarch Building on Historic Twenty Fifth Street in Ogden, Utah. Today we are chatting with author Amanda. Is it Kabak or Kabak? K back. K, I messed it up. I, I had three options and I missed them both. Don't don't worry, Amanda. <laughs> he messed up the last one too. I messed so, up the yeah, last <laughs> one too. No I, one,
0: almost no one gets it. Right. Oh
1: no, yeah. Well, like I said, you know, to the, the our previous guest, you know, with case, I get Cass, I get <laughs> Chase, I get everything you want. Um, and today we're gonna talk about her novel Upended. Uh, this novel is coming out soon, or is it out? It is out. It's officially out. It's But this is recently, right? I mean, Yes. A yeah. couple
0: weeks ago. A couple yep.
1: weeks, yeah. So it's still new. It's still a baby in the world. Um, but today we're going to talk about her her new novel, uh, Upended. Amanda Kabeck, I'm sorry, I will get it, is the author of The Mathematics of Change, a novel. Her recent work has appeared in The Massachusetts Review, Tahoma Literary Review, Sequestrum, and the Laurel Review, among other publications. She was recipient of the al Samak Award for Fiction for, from um, Arcturus Review, the Betty Gabehart Prize from the Kentucky Women Writers' Conference, and the Lascaux Review Award for Fiction. So welcome, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And she's going to start with a couple ex- excerpts uh, from the book. So I'm going to turn my mic off and be quiet while Amanda reads.
0: All right. Well, I'll start from the beginning because where else would you start? Love what you do, and you'll never work a day in your life. Madeline Sawyer lived by that adage, but after three years of helming a startup, the doing eclipsed the loving, and she had to moonlight as a prospector to excavate moments of delight from her daily grind. She and her business partner, Joe Mackenzie took turns staving off existential despair by reminding each other that the shit work overflowing their inboxes was actually the steaming, fragrant proof of mindful management's success. Madeline was a trailblazer, evangelist, cheerleader, and all-around role model. Along with Joe, she mentored companies and advanced management techniques, but their approach was deliciously devious. In a Trojan horse of progress, they leveraged the allure of ferocious productivity and competitive advantage to lay the groundwork for inclusiveness. Despite the trendiness of this goal, their marketing materials addressed more measurable benefits because in business, quality was nothing without quantification. But measurement meant data and data meant reports and generating reports meant the necessity of reminding herself that she loved what she did. She worked 60 or 70 hour weeks, holidays, Sundays, and occasional midnights when something innocuous, unidentified even, woke her from fitful sleep she worked through blizzards and heat waves and perfect new england fall afternoons when the air was crystal and the trees neon and for the last 10 months she'd gone into her office every saturday after having breakfast with her brother ethan she'd been keeping an eye on him since he'd moved to town because she was his big sister and she loved him though sometimes that was as complicated as loving what she did Madeline regularly exhausted her deep reserves of patience at work and couldn't abide waiting for food. So they met at a diner that was scruffy enough not to be busy during prime brunch hour. The East Side Eatery had probably been classic 20 years before, but its chrome had lost its luster. Shadows of griddle smoke and grease stained the white tile behind the lying cook and the ceiling spans turned at a sultry tempo. Everything, even the customers, looked a little worse for wear, including Ethan. She spotted him in their usual booth through the diner's window, mug of coffee stapled to his lip. He wasn't much of a morning person, and though it was already 10 o'clock, she appreciated his effort. So that is before everything goes wrong, and this is much later after everything goes wrong. A week and a half after Madeline had so dramatically shown Zoe the door, she woke from a snippet of nightmare and couldn't fall back to sleep. The room breathed with gray light, the street lamps glow patterning the wall opposite her with stripes from her blinds. It was too bright to be dark and too dark to read, and this good-for-nothing atmosphere echoed the impossibility of comfort. She shifted her unwieldy body around trying to find a position that would allow her to relax her back and hip and shoulders. But her back and hip and shoulders weren't the real problem. She felt insane, certifiable. Her mind was an unruly alien force resistant to reason or soothing. It whispered nonsense about the malevolent motives of those closest to her, which made her question her own murky suspect desires. How much of this internal misery was created by her own hand? How much worse had she managed to make the damage her attacker had already done? She was hiding out, but there was no escaping herself. She'd never been able to do that, had only succeeded in burying what she didn't want to face under an avalanche of outside stimulation. But now here she was, rejecting the world. More specifically, anyone who cared about her, because they might have something to say about the attack, or her current behavior, or even worse, who she had been, or who they thought she had been before.
1: Thank you, Amanda, for sharing that with us. I have a couple questions to get us started, but like I said, um, any kind of tangent, go. You know, this is your book and this is your writing. And like I said, if any, if I want to introduce you to, to to new readers, and Amanda and I met in school. We met at Pacific University. oh my gosh, it's been a decade. It's probably been a decade, which is crazy. This book, and of course, you know, as a reader, I think we find ourselves in the protagonist, uh, even if we don't plan on it, you know, we find ourselves a well-written protagonist, a character like, uh, the protagonist in this book, we find ourselves. And the first thing that, that spoke to me, and I think this uh, spoke to me throughout the book, I mean, this is a book about trauma. Uh, this is a book about, um, going through something and how it changes your perspective on life and as, who you are as a person, and, and Amanda has done a, an amazing job of showing that shift not only physically or not only plot-wise but through the mind of the protagonist, this kind of being lost in your own self and doing things that you would never, responding to people in ways that you would never respond because this, this, this protagonist, Madeline, has always had it together and had control of, of how she responds to people. And I felt that very deeply with this book. But most importantly, I felt immediately, and it's it's kind of on the periphery throughout because there's no actual scene. Well, there's one one scene between Madeline and her father, and her father is this. She's always wanted to please him, and when Madeline uh, came out, he was she didn't get the support. That she wanted from him, and that kind of changed her. Did, would you say it almost changed her trajectory in life? And I think that at the heart of this book, this relationship with her father is so important. Um, and how, and how it did change that trajectory. Can you? I mean, that's a really long question, and I'm even I hate the sound of my own voice, but can you jump into that relationship and where it was in this book for her?
0: Well, what's interesting is that I didn't figure that out until I had been working on the book probably three years. Mm. Uh, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't want that to actually be in the book. I didn't want that relationship there. I didn't want her to, be, to have internalized this kind of shame that he put on her for being who she was. I, I, didn't, want, I didn't want her to deal with that. I don't want anyone to deal with that. Sure. I, it, it felt wrong for her to deal with that because she's, like you said, kind of has everything together. Um, she's, she seems to embrace that. Um, but deep down, she's got this baggage that her father had given to her. And that is actually a huge part of what drives her progression through the book. And I mean, I, I assume you can imagine since I didn't figure that out until three years into the book's process that I had no idea what I was doing and I, I couldn't get the book right until I accepted the fact that she had this in her past. She was dealing with things in a way I would never deal with things and, and really drive that all the way through and, and, and have that inform everything that she did in the book.
1: Wow, that's really, that's really, really interesting. And I think this speaks to writing so much, and especially to writing fiction, because it seems so key to the way, the decisions that she made, you know? I mean, she threw, she threw, and as a a summary of the book, uh, Madeline is this well-put-together, successful, intelligent woman who... Something horrible happens to her, and Amanda can expand expand on that as much as she possibly wants to. How much she wants to give away the part of this these parts of the book, um, but then she's there because she works so much because it's the one thing that she thinks her father will approve of her for. And that blows my mind. Well, but it happens all the time. I mean, I have guests, I have guests on the show that I, I, I ask, well, where did that come from? They say, well, that didn't come until the last edit. And you're like, what, how did that happen? Um, so before, okay. So I want to talk about craft then. Yeah. So before you had the father as this key character in the book that kind of informed a lot of the decisions that Madeline made, what was the catalyst then in for in previous drafts this is i love this talk
0: yeah uh, everything was was just more surface level uh, you know so the, the there's it's really giving nothing away to say that she's attacked uh, very early on in the book and in, in the first chapter and um you know the book is primarily obviously about her how she reacts to the, the attack she's she's physically beaten uh so she's she's, she's physically has to recover from it, mentally has to try to recover from it. But it's also an exploration of how uh, her changes and what she is dealing with affects everyone who's close to her um, and how that trauma kind of reverberates out. And so it was, frankly, it was contrived. It was, okay, I, I put this person in this situation and this is how it's planned. Um, it, just, it just wouldn't come together and you know i remember the exact moment where i was sitting i do a lot of my writing in coffee shops and i was sitting i remember where i was sitting in what coffee shop and what was going on outside the window and i was just i almost started crying because i'm like i'm three years into this book and i don't know who my main character is yeah and i'm a character-driven writer right and so to come to that realization was obviously the thing that ultimately makes the book work because i i had to really dig into it and be like what is really going on here you know, why did she choose her job over her lover at the time? Like what really made that happen? It wasn't just that she was invested in this startup, you know, what made her go and like, why, why, why? I had to figure out all of the whys for Madeline that I had just glossed over.
1: Yeah. And I mean, her lover too, you know, that the, all the scenes, well, there's one, I mean, there's what, how many scenes with Jane in the book? There's two, two but they're, scenes. They're really long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, you know, I was cheering for him. I have to admit that I was cheering for her and Jane to get back together because I knew it was the kind of her. It was the relationship with her father that kind of broke them up in the first place. But, but the book did a good job of saying, "Well, that's life." You yeah. know, like the relationship with the father broke them up; they're done. They're past that. Yeah. Um, but I was, I have to admit, because I knew what was informing her decision to work so much. And then you find out with her, the dialogue with Jane, that that it was that she worked 70 hours a week and that it was that she felt lost. Well, there was the bartender too, but that's different, right? I mean, yeah, that's she, what, yeah. that was a reaction.
0: <laughs> circumstance. Right, that was a
1: reaction to what the protagonist did. Yeah. Um, but I, I was, I was cheering for, I was cheering for him for a little bit. Okay. I, I, I mean, I have to admit it because, because when you brought Jane back into the story, she was kind, you know, mm-hmm. she was giving, um, and she cared. Um, and, but I'm not going to give away the ending about relationships and such, but, yeah. uh, but because of the father and because knowing that, um, I, I was cheering for them to get back together, but okay. So you go back to the coffee shop, you're at the coffee shop yeah. and you probably have a whole novel, right? I mean, you probably got what? Eight? I have,
0: I'm on like this fifth or sixth draft of it, right. right? I mean, and it had a completely different form for the first two drafts, like, mm-hmm. a completely different form, right? Same story, but a wildly different and I had to rewrite it from scratch. And so I'd already rewritten it from scratch. Then I'm sitting there three years into this thing, which so I'm, I've, <laughs> I've been toiling away at this for so long. And uh, it was definitely a moment of despair where I'm like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing still.
1: What was it? Well, I mean, did you what was it that brought the dad in? I mean, because there's a, I mean, there's a lot of the ways. dad
0: was there in various respects. Mm-hmm. And I think I think at that point, the dad was there in a in a somewhat disapproving way. I don't remember if he were still alive or not yeah, Honestly, yeah. in that draft. Yeah. Yeah. I get. I know how that feels. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. the way Madeline had reacted to the dad uh, wasn't there. It was how I would have reacted to the dad. How I wished she would have reacted to the dad, but not how she truly, if she were a real person and consistent in that inconsistent way we all are, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how she would have reacted. Right. And I, I just, I had to go there. It was a place I didn't want to go. I didn't want to write that story, Yeah. but that is what this story was.
1: Let me ask why, why didn't you want to go there? I mean, cause as novelists, we, I get it, you know, I didn't, and even from creative nonfiction, I didn't want to write my first book. I, I didn't want to write that book at all. I didn't want to write about kids and skulls, you know, I mean, I didn't want to write that book at all, but why, what was it that said, I don't want to write that book, that part of it?
0: Uh, I just wanted to deny that people could be affected by their family that way. That people who really have things together and are thoughtful and are um, whole in many respects can carry this seed of shame, this this internal shame. Like that is just it's a it's a horrible thing. Uh, And I'm not, I don't really spare my characters. I put them through the ringer. but Mm -hmm. that was one thing. I just, I don't want anyone to feel that way. And so it was really hard for me to make someone that I had lived with for so long, have that festering inside her.
1: Have that shame on the page and carry with her because, and you did a nice, I mean, I can't imagine revising this in the sense that you added that so much later and then went through the, went through the manuscript because then you did sprinkle you sprinkled it in all the way throughout yeah. and, that, and knowing that now like i figured that was at the crux of the beginning right? i mean you know what i mean <laughs> i wish yeah. yeah yeah no doubt it would have came out four years earlier <laughs> uh, right. um but you know but knowing it now on a craft level oh that's brutal because then you're like okay well you have to go back all the way through the manuscript and sprinkle, almost back to the drawing board yeah and sprinkle father in the whole thing, and this is why I love this podcast, is because I learned these things. Uh, I, uh, I was talking with Deborah Reed I, and uh, about her book, and there was a phone call at the beginning of her book that changed the entire book. And I said, "Well, what did the book just come from this phone call?" And she said, "No, that came in the last edit." And I was like, "What are you talking about? I understand this, um, but that's great for people who listen because I share this podcast with students. Um, it's great for budding writers to hear established writers." Right, like you and Deborah say, well, I had no idea, (laughs) and then and then it happened, and then it worked. Finally, Um, I can appreciate that so much, especially with my own stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I forget too that that we've been at this for a long time. You know, as writers, and you know, I mean, we I met you a decade ago, and we were already in writing careers. You know, we were already doing our best then to become writers, and now it's another decade, and we're still saying, oh, my gosh, I think the dad needs to be part of this. You know, I mean, that's something that's something really cool about the experience. Um, Mm -hmm. I think uh, that it's so fluid. You said you were a very character driven writer. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us are Um, my I'm a character driven writer myself. And um, so Zoe, so Zoe, I'm not going to should I give it away? Can I give away the ending or no? No, no,
0: no. Okay. So another (laughs) character
1: in the book, Zoe, who I liked quite a bit, has quite a bit of a a different experience with her family. Um, She is in this kind of faux relationship with her friend, Troy, and they go to weddings together and they do all these things so that they can look straight. Um, That's a totally different experience than what Madeline did was this was that choice purposeful to show a spectrum of uh, to show the spectrum between the people who come out to their families and their dad gives them the shame and then those who don't come out and they're living with this kind of hidden part of themselves was that purposeful too
0: well you know i think I think a lot of my writing and definitely in this book is is really focused on how how we're perceived how we think we're perceived and how we perceive ourselves mm-hmm. and those things often being completely divergent i mean she's in this she's in this fake relationship and she thinks it's ridiculous right. i mean she's doing it but she's like i can't really believe i'm doing this i mean yeah. <laughs> like i could have married another woman in massachusetts like 15 years ago yeah. you know uh, so she she sees the the, the complete ludicrousness of it, but she's afraid. I mean, no one wants to be rejected. She thinks she knows what's going to happen. And, you know, people make these choices to to protect themselves. And it seems like, oh, well, they're just, they're just uh, a coward or they're taking the easy way out. And, you know, it's, it either won't be that bad or, it, you know, hey, if they can't accept, if they can't accept me, screw them. But it is so personal and so hard um, to to sometimes be honest with the people who have known you since you were a child um, and to, to brave their reaction to that, which you expect not to be good, that people go to great lengths even though they they know they, should, they quote, shouldn't be doing this. They go to great lengths to avoid uh, taking that step and you really can't judge them for it.
1: Right. And I, I, I appreciated that so much just because, I mean, this, 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 that speaks to our larger humanity. It really does. I mean, this idea of we are all scared of what we believe people think of us and then letting them into what we actually see in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it can be in relationships and it can be his writers. It can be his teachers. It can be his friends. It can be anything. And it's that fear that I'm going to uphold what people believe in me because, and like you said, it's not, we shouldn't judge them because it's, because they're not brave. It's just, I think it's a natural human thing to say, I want to uphold whatever they believe I am, you know? And that's why I appreciated yeah. that relationship between Troy and, And Zoe, you know, I mean, it's this navigation of the world that 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 we have to say to ourselves: Are we willing to make? Here's a okay. So here's my large question: Could can Zoe still be happy living in a world where she is not showing her real self with her family? And it seems like she can.
0: In ways. In ways. In ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, the larger, there are obviously lots of things, themes going on in the book, but one of the larger themes is, is truth and vulnerability.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And the, the fact that, you know, if you really want to have a deep authentic relationship, you have to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and you have to show um, a larger portion of the truth that that about yourself than you might show to other people. And you, you don't have to have that that deep, um, meaningful, and vulnerable relationship with everyone. Um, you, you, you know, there are plenty of people that I know who are like, you know, I'm not actually particularly close with my family and they don't really need to know the details about right. me and I'm perfectly fine with that. Mm-hmm. And so on some level, yeah, Zoe can be happy with that, but not if part of her craves a closer and deeper relationship with these other people in her life, which I believe that she does, especially with her sister.
1: Right. Especially with Kimberly. Right. I mean, she really yeah. does. Cause Kimberly, she stands up for her, doesn't she? I mean, she will. Oh, a, little she, yeah, <laughs> a, little a little bit. bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And that was a hard scene. That was a hard scene with the mom, you know, mm-hmm. that was, that was a hard scene. Um, and I think that goes back to the protagonist um, Madeline in the sense that, she gets injured in so many different ways and the whole, for a large portion she is really just keeping people at bay as much as she possibly can and she's she's she doesn't want to be vulnerable she does not want to be vulnerable she does not want anybody to know what she went through i mean i think that's such a natural human response to pain and to trauma without giving away the end of the book when you're writing this when and of course I know as a writer that sometimes things just come out of us that it's not all just like i planned this but as a writer when did you decide you were gonna let her be her more vulnerable self I mean was that in the first draft that's kind of an interesting question or was it later and did it get changed with the dad relationship?
0: I, I can't ever write tragedies. Mm. Uh, there has to be hope in the end. Uh, a lot of what I write about is what, what kinds of things do we go through that actually make us change? Because, because actually changing is very difficult mm. and Um, usually it's in response to something traumatic at some level or really, really huge, you know, like you have a heart attack and you're gonna, you know, you're afraid you're going to die and you make large changes in your lifestyle. But you couldn't, even though you knew that you could have a heart attack if you kept on this way, you don't make changes until you actually have a heart attack. So Mm. You know, in and, and other levels on more emotional levels and relationship levels, you know, what are the things that happen to us that that make us say, you know what, it's changing is going to be less painful than continuing down the road that I'm on. Right. And and so you know, obviously this, this kind of trauma that's in this book is is huge. Uh and I wanted it to make I wanted it to make her change um, I wanted it to crack open the parts in her that she has denied and make her reevaluate the decisions that she's made and and see you know the the point of the book is she, Upended is, is literally. She comes out of this attack, and everything's upside down. She's like, everything. I I had my life the way I thought I wanted it. Like I made these decisions for some reason, and now I have to admit, I have to admit that I was making these decisions for reasons that aren't valid, or that I that aren't valid now. Right. And I'm gonna take some risks and undo some
1: of it yeah yeah i love that and kind of touching on that and i know that this book has been in the works for a long time but do you think a lot of us saw that with this last year like this last year and a half that uh there's been a change and then therefore i'm going to make the change before it changes me i mean i know i personally have but do you think that that plays into that same human emotion that same human experience
0: yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a universal thing. It's the this, it's this struggle. I mean, the, the, the idea, like the traditional idea of, of stories and character development is we have a goal and we put an obstacle in front of that goal. And then, you know, we negotiate these obstacles and we come to some sort of realization or change. And I've always hated that. Yeah, It's like so sterile and so contrived and not at all how we operate as people right and the the price of change and the risks involved with change it's not just to to get something that we want it's it's so fundamental and almost disconnected from any particular one and if it is one thing that we desire that's not enough to actually make us change on a fundamental level
1: yeah i agree i I think it is. It's like a lot of the things that we we tackled. Like you said, there's so many different themes in this book. You know, we get shame and we get change and we get this idea that people see as one way, and we want to uphold that. And when um, and family relationships with like Ethan, Ethan, and then you know a brother, or sibling rivalry, and you know, and then we get Joe. Yeah, <laughs> Joe. Joe. I mean, Joe is. I mean, Brandon's almost gonna give us. Have I mean, you can believe it? We've already been talking for thirty minutes, but if you, but but I want to talk about Joe for a minute. Joe, I, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I uh, and I don't want to dissuade anybody from. I don't want to paint a picture of Joe when people come into this book, uh, because he he's a good father. Um, uh, being a father, he's a good father. Um, he's, I really, should, I, I with Joe. <laughs> Let me, uh, can I tell well, can how you I, really feel, can I say I, it's a guy who believe he falls in love with Madeline and he, in his heart, he believes she can fall back in love with him. And I, I you know, and the thing about this is there are so many men out there like that. And he, he really does kind of fit, fit that mold where you're thinking, no way, there's no way he's in love with her. There's no no way. And and even his daughter is saying, Dad, you're in love with her. You're in love with her. You're in love with her. And Joe says, in the end, that he is. And I'm glad he's there. I'm glad he's there for a lot of reasons. And I'm glad he's there because because he shows, obviously, that in that world that they're doing business. You know, he gives us that other side. What is the protagonist losing because of her trauma. What of all the work that she's done? Cuz she doesn't really know. I mean she the, she does not really know what's happening to their company, their startup because yeah. she's going through everything else. So Joe as a character is fabulous. Joe does what he needs to do. Joe is there to show the reader what she's losing. Right? I mean she I mean it works so well that way. But in the end when he's in love with her, I'm like Joe, this isn't gonna work out, buddy. <laughs> no. And he knows it. He yeah, knows he it. knows well, it. He can he only it. lie to himself so much. I know, but I mean, I feel that that again in itself um, is such a human thing. You know, yeah. it's such a well, human. Well, you
0: know, thing. Joe is there not only to show to show another response to to things out of our control, right? And you know, so Madeline kind of hides out, right? She withdraws. And Joe just wants to control everything. Like if he can just fix it, if he could just put his arms around it and get all the pieces in order, he can fix it and everything's going to be okay. Right. And that is 100% how he operates and how so many people operate in the face of just disaster.
1: Where did Joe come in? Like when you were writing this thing, was he early on? He was there from the beginning. He was there from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because yeah, I followed Joe and you're right, he just shows a different type of person because you know, you're very it's a very literary book. It's a very character character driven book showing all these different aspects of of how humans react to something and and it does have that. It does have that spider web from from Madeline's Madeline the incident with you know when she gets attacked, right? The mm-hmm. spider web outward went from her assault um, and how it affects everybody else around her is because she is the center of so many people's lives. She's yeah. the rock of so many people's lives and when that rock gets cracked, um, I think the book shows how it affects so many other people you know um, mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about it. That's what I really enjoyed about the book. is it was very, very human. It was very yeah. human all the way through all of our stupid emotions and the, wow. the ways we deal with them. Right. Um, and, but, but when it comes to the protagonist, she really went through something. She got attacked, she got assaulted. And, and like you said, she changes because of it. Um, and, and you know, I was always cheering for her. I was cheering for her all the way through and she would make missteps and you'd like, Oh no, jeez, <laughs> But that's great. Right. That's what the goal is, is to say right. she's human. Um, and so I appreciate that with that character very much. So, um, so we got five minutes left and what, if there's anything, this is my last question because this is what I always do is if there's anything about this book that you want to share with readers or maybe even the writing of it, the process of it, um, to, to, to budding writers, whatever it is that you would want to share about this book that maybe you haven't shared with any, with anybody else because I want, I want the exclusive. um, <laughs> what would it be about writing it looking back on it seeing it now
0: you know you you really have to keep digging that that's that's ultimately what this book was about it was really a lot of grit because in the original draft Madeline didn't actually have any uh, a point of view mm. it was literally about everyone else mm. around her reacting to what she's gone through and seeing her story through everyone else's eyes mm. um, which I still think is interesting and i I don't I don't know if I just weren't a good enough writer to pull it off or if it was kind of doomed to begin with. But, you know, you can come with this nascent idea. The original idea of this book is literally so vague. It was like something happens to someone Mm -hmm. and everyone else freaks out. Like that was the the nutshell of what I came to this novel with. And I didn't know what something was. I didn't know who someone was and I didn't know how people freaked out or who those people were. But you have to see it all the way through. You know. You have to get to draft number five and realize, I still don't know really who this character is. I still don't know what her deepest motivations and fears are. And until I figure those out, I am not going to have this. This story is not going to realize its potential. Right. At some point, the story has its own life. And it doesn't matter what you want out of it or what, how you want it to progress if you don't honor the, the structural integrity of the story. Itself, get it to a place where it truly shines.
1: Right. Oh, well, I thank you for reaching out to me. I'm glad I got, I, get, I love the arc. I'm sorry about the coffee on it. I mean, I, <laughs> my wife didn't know how mad I was for like two weeks. I was like, but you spilled coffee on on my book. Um thank you for sending to me. I'm so glad that the journey has come to this with this with this novel. We all go through it. I mean, I've got six novels on my desktop that will probably never go anywhere. Um they're dead. I think they're dead. I think they're dead. Yes. But it was it was great to talk to you and it was great to hear about. I mean, again, this this I didn't I didn't really go to any of the questions that I wrote down because the idea that the father came, the father's relationship came in 4 years later that threw my whole interview off. I mean, in a gr- <laughs> in an absolutely great way, right? In a way that yeah. just talks about what it means to write a novel like this. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Well,
0: thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been a
1: pleasure. Absolutely. We should talk more. This was fun. Yeah, You know, I mean, <laughs> are you going to AWP? I think so. I think so too. Cause we both have book birthdays this year. So We do. And I might have
0: one next year. So we'll
1: see. Hey, let's do it. I'm I'm actually going to organize a Pacific University reading. So I will loop you into that, me and DeFreitas and Tabitha and folks. Um, But I would love to have you read with us. Um, I'm working on that now trying to find a bar. Uh, All right. Yeah. So thank you so much again. This is Case Johnson. This is Literally Podcast. We are recording here at Banyan 1 at The Monarch at Historic 25th Street, Ogden, Utah. We're talking about her book, Up and Thanks so much for, for joining us.